Thanks for tuning in to the Follow Church weekly message. Our hope and prayer is that you will find this message uplifting and challenging as we seek to follow Jesus in our community for His glory. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to turn to Romans chapter 6 this morning. Um, if you're visiting today or you've missed a few weeks, we're going through a series uh, through the book of Romans. It's called The Big Stuff because you cover a lot of the big stuff of your faith when you go through this incredible letter written by Paul to the church in Rome. So today we're up to the second half of Romans chapter 6. So we're going to pick it up at verse 15 and we're going to read through to verse 23. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You've been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I'm using you as an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were called uh, sorry, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things that you're now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This morning, uh, we're in for a real treat. Uh, my grandfather is one of the most inspiring people in my life. He's about a month short of his 94th birthday. And today, he's going to come and share from Romans chapter 6 for us. Um, Granddad has been a wonderful role model in my life uh, and in our family. And he's set a real great legacy and heritage of faith in our family. And I really hope and pray that if I make it to 94, um, 93, that I will be as um, passionate and enthusiastic about the gospel. Um, sometimes I just want to go over and have a relaxing cup of tea, but he just wants to tell me about all the new things he's learning, and uh, he wants to critique uh, my sermons sometimes. Uh, it was really funny, actually, when Granddad used to come and I was preaching, I used to get really nervous. I think, oh, no, Granddad's here. He's going to correct all my dodgy theology. Um, but a few months ago, uh, Granddad was preaching down at Rokeby. And um, I was down for the weekend with Kim staying in Druin, and we decided we'd pop in and surprise Granddad. And Granddad said to Mum during the week, gee, I wish you told, told me Luke was coming. I was so nervous. And I thought, wow, it's come full circle. Isn't that amazing? Uh, but I'm not at all nervous today because I know Granddad's a great preacher and he's a wonderful man. And if I'm half the man that Granddad is um, in years to come, um, I'll be very grateful. And he's shaking his head horrified today because he never likes to be elevated. He likes to lift up Jesus. But I want to really honour him today as he comes to share. So please give him a round of applause as he comes up this morning. Thank you, Luke, very much for the uh, gracious introduction. 
Um, the book of Romans is Paul's systematic theology. And if you need to get to grips with the Christian faith, then you need to know and understand the book of Romans. It's a, an encyclopedia, if you like, of the Christian faith. Many of the themes that are in the book of Romans are dealt with in more detail in other books. But uh, if you get uh, the book of Romans, then you've got the whole Bible in your pocket and you've got it in your mind and you've got it in your heart. Paul says uh, that we're not under law. He says we're under grace. Well, what does it mean to be, to be under law? Well, let, let the word of God answer that question. Galatians chapter 3, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Obedience to the law in the letter and in the spirit, uh, no transgressions of the law, and uh, measuring up to the demands of the law and not missing the mark is what is required of everyone every day. Continual obedience, perfect obedience to the law of God. The law, uh, under the law, uh, uh, we are not under the law. Well, we're under the law because we're under a curse, according to Paul. Uh, under the law, we are alienated from God. We're enemies in our mind because of our evil behaviour. We're all like sheep. We have gone astray. We have turned to our own way. We are p powerless to keep the law because it is, we are weakened by our sinful human nature. Indeed, we have a stubborn, according to the scriptures, a stubborn, unrepentant heart storing up wrath for ourselves. Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin, that is, under the authority of sin, under the dominion of sin, under the power and in the empire of sin. Jews and Gentiles alike. We're all under the domination of spiritual darkness. We're all in ignorance and confusion and in superstition until the glorious light of the gospel dawns upon our darkened mind. We follow the way of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life as we have recorded in the first epistle of John. And we are gratifying the cravings of the sinful nature. We are following the desires and thoughts like the rest the children of wrath. We are also separate from God, excluded. Uh, we are outside the covenant of God and we are without God and without hope in the world. And no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. Now here we come to the real purpose of the law of God. It is to make us aware of the sinful nature that we possess. Under the law, every mouth is silenced and the whole world is held accountable to God. The law of God is holy and righteous and good. Paul says, sin deceived me and through the law put me to death. Uh, Paul was, uh, God was my enemy under the law. Uh, he was frustrating my uh, and, and, and commanding me to do things that I was not willing to do. I wanted my own way. I wanted to go in my own given direction. 
Sin was my friend, urging me to achieve my own selfish ambitions. Well, under the law, the final day judgment is already pronounced. We are found guilty uh, on on every count and we are condemned already. Well, praise God, we're not under law if we belong to our Saviour. So let's find out now about, about grace. What does it mean to be under grace? Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That's a referral back to the old covenant where the uh, prodigal son, the disobedient son, the rebel son, would be stoned to death and uh, his body would be hung on a tree. The Lord Jesus is the one who bore the curse on our behalf on the tree that was the cross. He redeemed us from the curse of the law that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And so the Lord Jesus has purchased for all of his people, everyone, the gift of the Holy Spirit comes with the package deal. Not only will we see in a moment we are justified, but also we receive the Holy Spirit and he has breathed new life uh, into the redeemed. We are born again. We are born of the Spirit. We are born from above. We have the gift of the Spirit. We have the seal of the Spirit. Indeed, I happen to be one of the 144,000 sealed people in the book of Revelation. And if you're a Christian, you happen to be one of them as well because they're sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. Uh, But God, who is rich in mercy, has made us alive in Christ. And as we saw from the earlier part of Romans 5, old self is dead. Uh, They called him the old man in the uh, King James Version, but I didn't like that idea of being the old man. And so my old man died 70 years ago and I became the new man by the grace of God. There is that transformation. So old self has been crucified and is dead and buried with Christ. That's why, as our brother pointed out last Sunday, that's why we bury people in baptism because they're dead and you always bury dead people. And, of course, we, they emerge from the watery grave because they're now alive with a new life, new life in Christ. So new self is alive and ready to walk in newness of life. We are reconciled to God by Christ's physical body through death. We are justified freely by God's grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. That is, uh, we are declared to be innocent of all charges. That's the, uh, the blessing of being justified, which is even better than being forgiven. It means that we are by the judge declared to be henceforth uh, innocent. And we rejoice, says Paul, in the hope of the glory. We stand in this grace. I love that. We stand in this grace and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. He says, when we were powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. I love the words of the hymn, Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. 
Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part but the whole, is nailed to his cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, O oh, my soul. In the old days when uh, preachers uh, preached some glorious gospel truth, there were a few amens and hallelujahs just to come <laughs> in the congregation. Uh, I think we ought, to, we ought to bring that habit back. Uh, it does encourage preachers to know that the people are with them and to believe what they are preaching is indeed the word of God uh, and not the word of men. So, brother, the gospel of grace is the power of God under salvation. You know, that word power, that word is dynamite. That's the gospel. It really does something. It changes people. It doesn't leave them where they were as they were. It changes them into a new person, a different, a new creature in Christ. That's what happens when you become a genuine believer. Uh, so once darkness now, we are light in the Lord. Uh, the Lord turns us from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God so that we become holy in his sight without blemish and flee free from accusation. Uh, now under grace, God is for me. God is now my friend. He used to be my enemy, frustrating me. Now he is my friend. He is aiding me. He is helping me. Sin is my enemy. Sin is against me. Sin is striving to frustrate me now and uh, prevent me from attaining my goal of becoming more and more Christ-like. And sin is my enemy. We'll find out more about that in Romans chapter 7 in some detail. And then you wait till you get to chapter 8. My, you're going to relish chapter 8. Don't forget to be here for the next... Uh, the next episodes, whatever you do, please. Uh, all right, uh, sin has been dethroned. It is no longer president, but alas, it is still present. But the, the last, the final day judgment is already pronounced and the, the sentence is no condemnation. Now I dread Jesus and all in him is mine. Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. Glorious, powerful salvation comes through our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Paul says, what then? Shall we sin because we're not under law but under grace? Paul was being slanderously reported that his free grace gospel would be used to excuse and encourage those who believed it and those who uh, uh, those who preached it and those who believed it, uh, to live in sin under the cloak of grace. Uh, I'm not under law, was the theory. The law uh, has no jurisdiction over me anymore. It cannot judge me. It cannot find me guilty. It cannot condemn me. I'm not under the law. I'm under grace. All my sins, past, present and future, have been laid upon the Lord Jesus and he has atoned for them and therefore I can incur no guilt because now I'm in Christ. The charge was and still is uh, that, uh, that sinners cannot be trusted with free grace. They will trade on it. Uh, justification by faith, uh, by grace through faith alone without works is not sufficient. 
Well, uh, I heard it myself when I was a young Christian. It was very familiar uh, with some of the people that I, that I worked with and uh, fellowship with in those days. They would say things like this, I am once saved, always saved. Now, I believe in the, in the perseverance of the saints, don't get me wrong, but this was, I'm once saved, always saved, therefore, uh, I cannot be lost even if I commit adultery or murder. And people are going saying, well, I've been clothed with the garment of righteousness and, uh, and, 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 and God doesn't see me, he only sees Christ. He covers me. And what I'm doing under this, uh, un, 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 under this umbrella, what I'm doing under this uh, cloak, uh, well, uh, really the Lord's not very interested in that because I'm, I'm perfect in Christ. And so what I'm doing underneath is uh, another, another thing. This was the idea. Now, it wasn't that they actually did commit adultery and murder, but they contemplated that it might be possible for them to do it and get away with it. This was the thought that was worth. Now, we called it in those days, we called it easy, easy believism. We called it cheap salvation. Uh, things are like this. I'm not under law, I'm under grace. Uh, law is harsh and cruel and demanding and exacting, a foolish lie. God's law is good and acceptable and perfect and the Lord Jesus said, take my yoke upon you because it's an easy yoke. It's a good thing, he said, to uh, be under my yoke and to obey me and to follow me. And then the idea, the thought theory was, well, grace is soft and kind and undemanding and comforting and forgiving. It was this false notion that under the law I, I, I can get away, but I can't get away with anything. But under grace, well, I might just be able to get away with a few things under grace because I'm well and truly covered. Well, it was this theory, uh, it was this fear that uh, uh, induced the Catholic apostasy to condemn Luther and the Reformers. Indeed, the uh, uh, Anti-Reformation Council of Trent went so far as to pronounce, and it's still in, on, on the books, a curse upon anyone who dared preach or believe free grace gospel, that is, faith without works. What is Paul's answer to this slander? He says, shall we sin? Don't you know you are slaves to the one whom you obey? Either you are slaves to sin or you are slaves to the Lord Jesus Christ. Who are you? What are you? Where do you stand? Who is your sovereign? Who is your Lord? Who is your master? Of whom or what are you a slave? That's the question that, you have, that each one of us have to answer. Uh, are you looking for a, loop, a loophole if there happens to be one? No, no, says Paul. You used to be slaves to sin. You've been set free from sin. You have become slaves to righteousness. A dramatic change has taken place. You used to be old self, but now old self was crucified, dead and buried. New self is alive with Christ. The Lord Jesus came... You, uh, understand on the mission he came to set, to, to set captives free indeed standing in the congregation at Nazareth in the synagogue 
He quotes from Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. Indeed, if the Son shall set you free, you shall be free. Indeed, there's one thing, I'm a freedom lover. I love to be free. I'm in a closed home now, and uh, sometimes I feel like breaking the shackles and breaking out. <laughs> but uh, but uh, 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 wisdom decrees otherwise. Um, I love Wesley, you know, dear old uh, Charles Wesley. I know you don't have any of his hymns anymore. <laughs> I tell you what, there's some beauties. Listen to this one. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin, and nature's night, my chains at the, the dungeon. I awoke. I'm sorry. The dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. That was my experience as a, a rabid sinner at the age of 22. That was my experience. The, the light dawned. The chains fell off. And I became a bond slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I tell you what, I've enjoyed his service for 70 years. He's a wonderful, a wonderful boss. Don't you know, Paul says, a profound spiritual and moral change has taken place in your life. He used to be servants to sin. Uh, when did the, this dramatic uh, change occur. He says, you wholeheartedly obey the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. Brother, no easy believism here. Listen to the evangelical prophet Isaiah. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and he will freely pardon. Paul writing, in 1 Corinthians 15, says, The gospel I preached to you, which you received. You received it, he says. You have taken your stand on this gospel. You are saved, he says, if you hold firmly to this word. I say, there's no easy believing and stuff there, is there? You receive it, and uh, you stand upon it, and you hold firmly to it. The word of God has become to you, not the word of men, but the word of God as it was to the, to the Philippian church. Well, Paul's own, uh, Paul's own response to the Lord Jesus, the risen Christ on the road to Damascus, is a wonderful example. Uh, there he is, he's, uh, he's still blind. The Lord has struck him down and he says, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord tells him who he is and who he's been persecuting, and then Paul says this. He says, Lord, what do you want me to do? <laughs> isn't that great? That's a spontaneous re response, isn't it? A wholehearted response, a sincere uh, response. Uh, he says to the Lord, put your yoke on my neck, Lord. I want to be your servant. I don't want to be any longer the servant of the Pharisees or the servant of sin. Paul asked the Roman believers to reflect upon their lives uh, when they were the servants of sin uh, and for the things that they were ashamed of. 
He says, yes, think about the past. Uh, Why why would you want to go back to the past? You're you're ashamed of the things in the past. Uh, Peter says that uh, going to the past, he says, is like a dog returning to its vomit again. I know it's not very very, very tasty, but that's what (laughs) Peter said. He said it's like a dog returning to its own, and he said it's like a pow, a, a pig returning to wallow in the mire. Why would you want to wallow in the mire? No, no, you belong to a new master, a new Lord, and your life is devoted to him. You may be weak and feeble and struggling, but you're on the road to heaven. Uh, I was, we used to, used to use the word... Conversion, convert, uh, when, I was a, when I was newly saved. And it's still a good, a good term. It's not used in the New Bible. It's in the Old King James. And to be converted it doesn't mean that, you, that you're perfect. It means that you're on the road and you turn about turn. And you're no longer going down the road that leads to the pit. You are going up the road that leads to glory. You've completely changed direction overnight. You're not perfect, but you're on the road to becoming perfect when you reach the end of that narrow road that leads to life. Praise God to be heading in the right direction, beloved. Well, Paul uh, says, why would you want to be like that? Why would you want to do that again? Well, but now he says the benefit you reap... uh, that you become slaves to God leads to holiness. And we're all on getting healthy these days. We're all taking pills and, 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 and going to, to clinics and, uh, and, and gyms. Here's spiritual wholeness, spiritual healthiness. You want to be healthy? Here it is, right here. It's healthy and following the Lord Jesus, the most healthiest life that you can live, the holy life that you can live, a healthy life. Wholeness, healthiness. The result, he says, is eternal life. And so Paul concludes, and I conclude, of a comparison of the two ways of life. He says, the wages of sin is death. And beloved, that's more than dying. That's not just... That, 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 there's another death, and it's called the second death. And I don't know exactly what's going to happen... But someone said to me, uh, can you tell me about hell? And I said, no. Uh, I said, I've, I, I, I have no idea about hell. And he said, I have no intention of going there. I'm, 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 I can tell you about heaven as much as I know because that's where I'm going. But the wages of sin is death, the second death. Under law, you reap what you deserve. The gift of God is eternal life. Why? Because you could never deserve it. That's why it's a gift. And you could never earn it either. And you could never purchase it. Why? Because it's priceless. It is the supreme gift of God's amazing grace. Amen. Thanks for listening to our message this week. If it's stirred your heart and you would like to talk to someone more about it or pray with someone, please get in touch with us at info at follow.church and one of our pastoral team will get back to you as soon as possible. 
If you'd like more information about Follow and our various ministries, including weekly service times and location, please check out our website, www.follow.church. Thanks again for joining us. God bless.